Korok Rebellion. What is that all about? And is history going to repeat itself? Or rather, is history repeating itself today? Well, get to that in just a few moments. Uh, it was a busy week. I was heading, I headed up to uh, Whittier, North Carolina, just about 30 minutes up the road from me yesterday, and had the great opportunity to speak to a group of youth up there. Uh, amazing, amazing to, to see the generation that is rising up in our midst, the hunger that these young people have, uh, it was a great opportunity. I only got to speak for about 35 minutes, which, you know, those of you that know me, it's like, wow, that was a miracle. Yeah, it was, but uh, I got to uh, to speak some things into their lives. I, I pray that we'll bring forth fruit in the future. Uh, last night, I had the opportunity to sit down with a good friend uh, and brother who was part of our congregation, Alex Stiles, and he was the guest host last night on Life on Purpose. If uh, you've never listened to a Life on Purpose, this is the one. This is the one to start with. Alex's testimony and the testimony of his wife, Mary, of their two children, uh, I just say it like this. Please do not sit down and begin to watch or listen to this without uh, a Kleenex box somewhere close to you. So I was able to do that and also to interview him for next month's message, which will be a little child, a, a child shall lead him. And uh, both of them, I think you're going to have a great, uh, it's going to be a great blessing and encouragement through uh, a lot of the things that uh, that Alex has gone through. Very very real. Uh, Alex is, uh, there's no, uh, there, there's, there, there's no cover here. Okay. He is just very real with his life. And I appreciate that in him so much. Um, it's getting to be the final countdown pretty quick, uh, about another week before, uh, be heading to Nashville, Franklin, uh, Tennessee specifically. If I can remember to put Tennessee in, I, I was trying to figure out why things were not coming up the other day, and I was putting in Frank, Franklin, North Carolina, and it was saying I had a very short trip. No, Franklin, Tennessee, um, will be up at Revive, and that's going to be Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Again, I will be working with the young adults, uh, not the youth, but the young adults. And this will be ages about 19 to about 35 making a few exceptions on on both sides of that. Uh, some have asked me to repeat once again the times. So I will be uh, myself, uh, Bezrat Hashem, God willing, myself, Daniel, uh, Ryan, David, and also Barry will be there for with us for uh, a part of the time. Uh, we'll be bringing some other people in as far as this team. And this when I say this, this team... Uh, you know, we have, uh, this, this, when we come together on, with these services, we're looking to bring in as many people as we can. So, uh, there's, there's a lot of times when we walk in, we've got a basic direction that we're going with worship, with teaching, with a theme. And I, I may bring someone straight out of the, of, of the, the room that's there and just say, hey, come up and, and, and add something in here. And so the dynamics of this is uh, has been incredible. I believe that this year is going to be uh, no exception. And I, I just was talking with some of the young people yesterday who will be at Revive and the excitement level in them <clears throat> over the top. So we will be uh, our, our scheduled ministry time will be Friday Shabbat and Sunday from 3.30 to 5.30, that's central time. And so I would um, I, I would really ask you to, uh, if you have some time during those, those allotted time frames, that you would pray for these meetings. Uh, we have, uh, it's already been, uh, it's already been discussed that uh, this past Shabbat at Life Assembly, we were talking about this. There is one thing that is needed, <clears throat> well, many things are needed, but uh, on the top of the list is a, an infilling uh, by His Spirit in these young people. 
Uh, I know what it was like. You you remember many of you that I'm talking to. You know you remember what it was like to go through these uh, these years, uh, the young adult youth, young adult stages, and so uh, to 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 do that in the day that that we did. Many of us not following God at the time, uh, but today <laughs> I, I don't know how you make it through. I really don't. I don't know how a person makes it through life without being filled with his spirit. And and why is it that this age group is so important is because they're at that pivotal place that they can affect both generations, both a generation that's younger than them, because many of them that will be in the uh, in our in our meetings will have uh, youth in another meeting. They're also mature enough that they can affect an older generation. And that's uh, these are all aspects that we're going to be talking about at Revive. So I really do appreciate your prayers in the midst of this. Korach, okay, his name means white, the uh, best I've, I've been able to, to see. <clears throat> I didn't go back in. There's a lot of different translations and levels of, of his name. But uh, what what is this guy all about? First of all, he has a job. Okay, he's been given the honor of a job. We can uh, we can look at this. Of he is the son of Kahat, the son of Levi. Uh, it, it's not like Korak is you know in in charge of drawing the water, uh, in charge of of getting the wood. Which all of those things, every job, everything in the camp of Israel is important the same as everything that we do today. It doesn't matter. You know, not everybody, as as Paul would talk about, not everybody needs to do a podcast. Not everybody needs to do a, a, a video every week. And, and I, I have to say that there's a lot of people out there that are, are trying to become something they're, they're not called to. That's not judgmental against them. It's maybe some have something to say, but they're not called to it. And so anybody can come up with a teaching. Any uh, anybody can go get a camera and uh, a microphone and, and a computer. Yeah, it is possible. I've proven that. But if you, we each need to be doing the job, not always that we're that we're desiring to do. The desire, the the job that we're anointed to do, <clears throat> and please excuse my voice today. Speaking yesterday, and then and then two times last night, uh, my my voice is already giving way, and it's Wednesday morning. I'm running behind, and I have three broadcasts to do uh, before noon today. So uh, it's we'll see how the voice holds out today. But every person, each one of us needs to be seeking the Father of the job that we have to do in the kingdom. Not what someone else is called to. And that's Korok's problem. He was given a job of great honor. It has something to do with the furnishings of the tabernacle. I don't know which one. I don't know which part of it. But he was, he had a job to do, which I would imagine that many people in the camp of Israel were probably envious of that. I would have been envious of that. I mean, you know, the, 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 just the thought of being the person that was in charge of, let's say the menorah. You're in charge of, of the, the, the taking down, of the wrapping it, of all of those things, making sure that it gets from this place to another place, and then the setting up. What an amazing job that would be. What an honor that would be. But Korak, it appears, was not satisfied with that job. He wanted Moshe's job. Instead of doing what he was supposed to do, he wanted what someone else was supposed to do. Now, it it never probably crossed this guy's little tiny brain that if I don't do my job, who's going to? 
So someone is going to have to step out of their job in order to do Korok's job, which is going to cause a void, and it's just going to trickle right on down until eventually there's a job that either someone has to pull double duty or is not done. So each of us, each of us has something that we are to do in this job regarding the moving toward his kingdom. I don't know what your job is. It's not really important for me to know. If you, <clears throat> if you don't know what your, if you have no clue. I'll be glad to, to help you pray about that, okay? But you have to figure it out of what you are supposed to be doing in this moving toward the kingdom. Now, here's where the whispering slander of last week. <clears throat> so Moshe has to deal with these ten spies that come back and begin this slander against, what are they slandering? Are, are they slandering the land? You know, they gave an evil report, a whispering slander against the land? Well, yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah, they're, that, they're given that. But in the end, who are they slandering? Who are they standing against? They're standing against the one who brought them out of Egypt and has promised them that he would take them into the land. So they pretty much looked at the gift that the Almighty was giving them and said, eh, I don't really care about that. And, well, we see what happened to, to those guys. But what does that lead to? Whispering slander normally doesn't just, you know, come to an end and everybody decides to, you know, to stand around and sing Kumbaya again. No. Whispering slander, when it is let out of the bag, it's kind of like putting a herd of cats back in the bag. It's not going to happen. One of them is going to get in the woods and is not going to come back. Well, this whispering slander of the ten spies, the ten tourists into the land, gave opportunity for Korak to now continue in that mode and bring forth an outright rebellion against Moshe which is, by the way, not just a rebellion against Moshe, but against the one who is giving direction to Moshe. People need to understand when, and there is, I mean, as a as as a leader in in this walk for for many years as a pastor for. Uh, <clears throat> this year will be my 30th anniversary. I, I've seen this. There are times that I needed correction. I got that. I'm, I'm flawed and, and, you know, like everybody else out there. The fact that I, you know, put my name on the dot, I never put my name on a dotted line, but the fact that I'm doing what I'm doing does not make me uh, any more perfect than anybody else out there. But with that said, there are times that I know that I need correction. And God willing, I'm able to receive that. But it's the way that some people want to do it. <clears throat> Self-appointed correctors. And this is what Korik's doing. And, and how is he going about it? He is, it's not that he is trying to give Moshe correction like Jethro did. But his basic thought is this, uh, and I'm getting kind of ahead here. <clears throat> he says to Moshe, you take too much upon yourself. Well, that, that's the same words that Jethro said, isn't it? That Jethro said, you know, you're doing too much, and you need to figure out a better way to do this. Notice, going back into the Torah portions, 
the Jethro did not say, hey, by the way, you know, just go ahead and appoint me as the person here and I'll, you know, I'll take the pressure off of you by taking some of your job away from you. <clears throat> this is what Korak is doing. Korak is saying to Moshe, you're taking too much upon yourself, which is another way of saying, I'm kind of bored with the job that the Almighty has given me, so I really believe that, you know, back there in Egypt, that he got the wrong, he called the wrong person. He was really, he, he was really looking for me when he found you, and so I'm really the one that can do this job. Well, that's, that's kind of the scenario behind it. And, uh, well, he was able to get 250 other people to side with him. When you begin a rebellion, a Korach rebellion against leadership, I will guarantee you of one thing in life, and it's not death and taxes. I'll, I'll add something else. If you want to start a, a rebellion against those that are called to be leaders in, uh, in your life to help you in getting you from here to the kingdom, you'll always be able to find someone to side with you. Yeah, it happened in Korok's life. It happens in your life today. If you want to rebel against the Almighty... You can always find someone that's going to help you. And with this, 250 people, it says that they rose up. They rebelled against Moshe. Now, the word here is, uh, is, is a fascinating word, actually, when we look at it. It, me, it is the word kum. Uh, in, in English, would be Q-U-M, kum. If you remember, as we were all the way back in the book of Bereshit, Genesis, this was many, many moons, new moons ago, um, the word means to establish. The second time that it's used in scripture is uh, Genesis chapter 6, verse 18, regarding the covenant. And so the first time it's used is actually with Cain and Abel. They rose, he, Cain rose up against and so this is a word which means to establish, to rise up. And it should, anytime we see this word of whom, it should kind of, it should trigger us to look back and consider that everything is about the covenant. So what was Cain and Abel? What was Cain doing? He was rising up against the covenant. What was Noah doing? He was being called to rise up for the covenant. Everything that is happening today. In fact, I can go all the way back to Genesis, to the beginning, to the time in the garden. And I can take this theme from there to and through the book of Revelation and, to the, and into Maps. And give you a very simple definition of what is what life is from beginning to end. And that is a choice of whether we will stand up for the covenant or not. Period. All right, Josh Waller's song, There's a Line in the Sand, is, uh, Josh said to me, he says, that's the only song I've ever been able to, re to, to write. I said, well, you know, if you only write one, that was a pretty good one to do because it literally, uh, as we as you go, go on YouTube, type in Josh Waller, Line in the Sand. Uh, I think that's that's I, that's not the exact title. I don't think, uh, but it's uh, it, it's it's that's, that's what it is. There's a line in the sand. Where are you going to stand? Which side are you going to stand on? Well, you know, uh, let's go back to Korok. It. Um, it's not going to go too good for him on his, his line in the sand. But I, first of all, let's let's think about the, um, uh, the the what Moshe did in verse four. Moshe did something 
that when the rebellion came to him, when Korok with these 250 mental midgets come to him, uh, I, there's no, I, I, that's not me, okay? Chapter, uh, chapter 16, verse 4. When Moshe heard this, he fell on his face. I don't think that after all that Moshe's gone through, if my name was, was the one here, I, I just can't see me doing this. Moshe is a man that, uh, we can all, uh, we, we can all strive to be. That no matter what comes against him, he, his first response was not to lash out. His first response was to pray. His first response was to seek the hand, the heart, the face of the Almighty in how to deal with this situation. He did not take it upon, now, and this would be, as we get to through the Torah portions, this will be the, the ending failure for Moshe is in striking the rock. The second, he broke his rhythm. The people drove him to a place that caused him to break his rhythm, which was when something happens, the first thing you do is you pray. The first thing you do is you seek his face. You seek his heart. You seek, you seek what his desire is to be in this. Now, it, it doesn't go the way that Korach wants it to go as the Almighty says to Moshe, okay, and I don't know how he reveals to this, reveals this to him, but he's going to set up a scenario which is going to be that line in the sand. But what is it really all about? Can, can we, is it really about Moshe? Is it really about the, uh, the authority of Moshe in the camp? Is it really about the authority of, of Yah in the camp? What is this about? Well, it's something that most people, probably not those of you that are listening to me, but most people in most of Christianity, uh, much of, much of Judaism today, especially American Jews, uh, much, in, in fact, much of the Hebraic roots, Messianic, uh, walk, congregations, missing the point, missing the point of this Torah portion, and the point is found in, uh, chapter 16, starting in verse 13. It is, is it such a mere trifle bringing us from a land flowing with milk and honey to kill us in the desert that now you arrogate, arrogate to your, to yourself the role of dictator over us? You haven't at all brought us into a land flowing with milk and honey and you haven't put us in possession of fields and vineyards. Do you think you can gouge out these men's eyes and blind them? We won't come up. Yeah, it's, it's kind of fascinating that it says we won't come up. It's not that we won't go, but it's, it's more of the wording of, that is, is used back at the, the, the four I wills that it was already established. In the, in the mind and the word of the Almighty, them walking into the land was already established. It was just what they were going to have to go through. And the fact that they've turned a, a few week journey into 40 years is not the fault of Moshe. It, it, it's not the fault of the one who brought them out of Egypt, is it? No, it was their rebellion. It was the uh, it was the the rebellion of the spies. It was the rebellion regarding uh, Mora, regar regarding complaining against about everything. It was the golden calf. All of those things that goes back to the people of what they wanted instead of what he wanted for them, and so he's. In, in the wording here, and I, I did not look this up in Hebrew, but in the wording here, it is pretty much that 
that in Korak's mind, well, yeah, I know that he's already established it, but I'm rejecting what he's established. And what is it that he's rejecting? Well, he's saying that the land of Egypt, and this is what he's murmuring, this is the whispering murmur. Again, speculation, but I think it's speculation based upon uh, a the 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 tendency of mankind that he's probably going around in the camp and reminding them of what life was like in Egypt. Remember when we sat around the fire pits at night? Remember that we had all the cucumbers and the leeks and the fish? Uh, No, 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 no. Don't bring up the stripes that were on your back. Don't re- don't don't no. Let's let's not talk about that. You were having to work as a slave eighteen hours a day or so in the in the the parch and being parched by the sun. Don't 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 think about those things. Just remember the good things of your past. Isn't that where the enemy goes to? We we all have past, and in, in, in our past, uh, each one of us has good. And we have some things that were not good in our past. But when's the last time that the enemy brought up to you and reminded you of the pain? No, he doesn't do that. He reminds you of the, the good times that you had. Uh, because he's trying to take you back. So what is it that, uh, that, that Korach is actually rejecting? He's rejecting the land. And therein is the essence of this Torah portion. And therein is where Christianity is today, where much of Judaism is today. Even even Jews living in the land that are rejecting the the they're rejecting. Well, this is this as I'm thinking about it, it gets crazier in my own head. You have leftist Jews, secular. Or, or or some kind of, of uh, reform thing in Israel, living in Tel Aviv, that are rejecting the ownership of Judea and Samaria, saying that it should be given away to the Palestinians. What is that? That is a Korak rebellion. You have in Christianity, uh, this, for the most part, disregard... For Israel, which is a Korach rebellion. You have a disregard for the Torah, which is all about redemption that takes you to the land, which is a Korach rebellion. You have in Messianic Hebrew circles, and I've been in enough of them to know this, that Israel is irrelevant to most people which is a Korach rebellion. See, the covenant, the essence of the covenant is to take us to the land, which is part of our restoration, going back to Genesis chapter 1. I don't have time to go into all of that and the details of it right here. But when we reject the land, we're rejecting a part of the covenant because we're rejecting a part of what the kingdom will be. The kingdom, to remind you a few weeks, a number of weeks ago, the kingdom must have a king. The kingdom must have a dominion, which is those who have willingly accepted the authority of the king. The kingdom must have a set of rules and regulations which is the Torah going forth from Zion, Isaiah chapter 2, and the kingdom must have a place to be in, which is the land. So Korach is rebelling against a part of the covenant and a part of the kingdom. Now, it says that each man 
uh, regarding these these people that are standing with Korah, that each man takes their fire pan and puts incense on it and brings them out to a line in the sand. So when they're standing there, they each have their their little fire pan. And wh- where's the incense? Where did the where did this come from? It came from the tabernacle. Hey, this is not the sons of Aaron that are bringing their own fire. No, this they look on every level on the outside. They look like they are holy, but only those who discerned could tell the difference. I'm reminded of going back to Revive, of all things. Uh, this was a number of years ago. I, I think we were in the same place in Tennessee. And I was sitting out, uh, I was sitting for a few minutes uh, talking with Carol Scott, the the uh, the wife of Brad Scott of Blessed Memory. And Carol looked at me and she said, Mike, I have, I have a question for you. What do you believe is the number one need in the Hebrew Roots movement today? Without really taking a breath, I said, I, I, I didn't think. I, this is one of those times I just, I did not even think about it. Didn't cons- I just kind of blurted out the, the first word that came to my mind, and that was discernment. Today, once again, we have in our midst, people that are desiring to lead a Korak rebellion. Now, what will what is a Korak rebellion? It is a denying of our future. Korak's rebellion is about going back to what we came out of. Well, it wasn't that bad. It, it, it was okay. We need to... We need to go back and, and build the bridge. I'm, I'm not going to go into teaching I've already done there. But we need to go back and, and build bridges. And we need to do it. No, no. We need to move forward, folks. There's only one direction that I see in Scripture, and that is moving forward. The menorah talks about this. Uh, Psalm 119 talks about this. Various other places in Scripture talks about this. There is only one direction to move, and that is forward. And so anyone that is trying to take you back is in a way, whether they know it or not, they are part of a Korok rebellion. They, they all looked holy until uh, verses, let's go down to verse uh, 31. We'll start reading there a few verses. The moment he finished speaking, the ground under them split apart. Yeah. The earth opened its mouth, swallowed them up with their households, all the people who had sided with Korak and everything that they owned. Wow. So they and everything they owned went down alive into Sheol. The earth closed over them and their, and their existence in the community ceased. All Israel around them fled at their shrieks, shouting, The earth might swallow us too. Then fire came out from Adonai and destroyed the 250 men who had offered the incense. Who paid the price? Who paid the price for this? Well, of course, Korok, uh, the 250 men, but also their wives and their children. Also those who had sighted. Also those who had not had the discernment. They had looked to the outward appearance of these people standing there with their fire pans, incense coming up in their face, but they were standing against the covenant. Don't get caught up in the wave that's going against the covenant. Don't get caught up in a wave that's going against Israel. Well, those are not really Jews in Israel. I, I've, I, I mean, I've, I, I know of the books. I've never read them because I'm not going to waste my time with. But if you have someone that's saying that is questioning whether the people in Israel are the Jews or not, what about the 
the groups that are saying, well, no, the, the Jews in Israel are not really Israel. It's the Palestinians that are Israel. And you, you might be going, wait, who said that? I've, I've heard that. There are, there are organizations, there are books written that say that the Jews living in Israel are not really Israel, but it's the Palestinians who are Israel. One day, there's going to be a split in the land, and everything that they have and own is going to be taken down. Don't get caught up in looking at the outward appearance of something. Make sure that the people that you are associating with, that Israel, Israel is part. Israel is the destination because it is part of the covenant. Now, the, um, so we, the, this, I, I hope somebody, I hope that the Almighty, you know, videotaped this. I just like to see it. Uh, not that I like to see the destruction, but, you know, I think it was just kind of some great staging here because what have they done? They've rejected the land and the land of exile swallowed them up. Think about that one for a moment. Because they rejected the land of the covenant, the land of exile swallowed them up. Now, I've got to think about that one a little bit later because that's not in my notes. It's something that I just heard myself say. Uh, then the crazy things happen, okay? It goes from, uh, it goes from dumb to dumber, I guess would be the only way to put it. In chapter 17, it's not that time has gone by and another, you know, another person rises up and the, the murmuring slander begins and, and history repeats itself. It's like, no, 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 no. In 17 verse 6 or 1641, depending on your translation, it says, the very next day, the whole community of the people of Israel complained against Moshe and Aaron and said, you have killed Adonai's people. Now, consider this, folks, that Moshe is, is a, a, you know, he's a, a pretty powerful guy. Uh, you know, Aaron standing with him through all these things. But I just don't see that he has the ability to do what he's being accused of doing. I mean, did, did Moshe all of a sudden, him and Aaron, go out and find a, a local backhoe company and rent a, a couple of backhoes and real quickly, you know? No, this was literally the splitting of the land underneath, not just somewhere else, but underneath these people. <sighs> and they have the audacity to say Moshe and Aaron have done this. Instead of saying, you know, We've sinned against not just the earthly leadership. We've, we've sinned against the heavenly realm leadership of this community, which is yud heh vav -Hey himself. And it says that the whole community. I mean, consider the, the, the snowball effect that has happened. What do we have? We have, going back to last week, we have the ten spies that come back with their murmuring slander against the land, against their destination. That gives way to Korach. Korach gives way to the whole group, the whole community of Israel now entering into that murmuring slander. You take a snowball up to the, you know, you go up to the top of a mountain and you make a little snowball. And we've all heard the analogy, right? And you start that snowball rolling down the side of a mountain. Oh, the first few feet, it looks cute. Then it gets to gaining a little bit more steam. It gets faster. It gets bigger. And by the time that it gets to the bottom, can destroy everything in its path. We need to be cautious. 
We need to be cautious of our words. We need to be cautious of our attitudes as we continue these days to to watch the news around us. What is our verbal response to it? What is, and and I, I mean, I see the things that are happening today and I get angry also. Why? Because I see the destruction that is happening to people. The events of this world today are destroying people who are getting caught up in the snowball. I get angry too. But I also try my best to keep my focus on where we are going. Because if I don't, I am as susceptible as, as, as anyone else to enter into that negative report. What the work that is being done today in the earth, the Almighty, I, I know it's a cliche, He is still in charge. Keep your eyes, keep your eyes on the verses of, I mean, if you, if you must read Psalm 2 daily, you know, why do the heathen rage? The people imagine a vain, a vain thing. Read the verses of, I look unto the hills from which comes my salvation. I said that in King James. Uh, go to Luke. Of when you see these things happen, look up. Make yourself a list of verses that are, and you know, maybe you could title this, look up verses that every time that you, you have this tendency to go back into the, to the negative report, you go back and you read these look up verses once again to get your attitude, your focus in the right place. Now, in the midst of this is the kind of the least likely uh, scenario that remember Moshe and Aaron are, you know, they're, they're not like, you know, young bucks anymore. These guys are in their, um, what, their, their eighties or, or more at least. And so when the plague breaks out in the midst of the people, Moshe, instead of saying, boy, they're getting, getting, look at that, Aaron. Hey, they're getting what they deserve. Look at this plague that's breaking out in their midst. Wow. I told them, I told them this was going to happen. They didn't listen to me. They didn't listen to you. They're getting what they deserve. No, 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 that's not Moses. That would be me. Uh, <laughs> Moses is looking out there and saying, he looks at Aaron and says, go get the fire. Go get the incense. Get the coal from the altar. Take them back to the place. Stand in their midst. Stand in the midst of the dying with the revelation of the Messiah. See, the, the coal from the altar is the revelation. Consider that that coal from the altar was stained by the blood. It had blood stains on it. So that coal from the altar is a revelation of the Messiah. So what did he do? It says he ran. Okay, I can just kind of imagine that in my own head, how he, he you know, okay, I'm running on over there. Um, he ran to the altar. He took a, a coal, a blood-stained coal from the altar, and he brought it back, and he stood. The scripture says he stood between the dead and the living, and the plague stopped. A hundred, or 14,700 people died in the plague. But how many would have died if Aaron had not stood in their midst with a revelation of the Messiah? Ladies and gentlemen, in the midst of the plague that is today, I mean, we went through the uh, you know the last years where the the pandemic, pandemic, whatever you want to call it. Some have called it a plague, as as Alex did last night. He's an he's an IC. Uh, ICU nurse 
And uh, he said, I, he said one one twenty four hour period during COVID. He said they lost fourteen people. They fourteen people died in a twenty four hour period. He said he would see nurses come to work. Uh, they they didn't start crying at the end of their shift or mid or through or the beginning of their shift. They started crying before their shift. It was a plague. It was a plague. And today, though we may, for the most part, have the aspects of COVID behind us, the world is still in the midst of a plague. And you and I have the ability to stand in the midst of that plague with a revelation of the Messiah. And expect that the Almighty is going to stand with us. Uh, it is right after this that he instructs Aaron and the other tribal leaders to bring rods, to set them at the, t- at the tabernacle of the day. And it's the next morning that we read about that the, uh, it had not only sprouted buds, but flowers and ripe almonds as well. A staff, a staff that has been cut from a tree. It has no life. It is cut from its roots, rather would be a better way to say that. It is completely, totally dead. The sap that is in it, that has been bringing life to its branches, has dried up. The, The branches have been cut off. There is no root. There is no source of life for this this rod. But yet, the next morning, not only did the rod bring forth branches, but it brought forth flowers, and it brought forth almonds. So much that is behind this this aspect of teaching regarding the almonds, because the almond is the first uh, the first tree to bring forth fruit in Israel, and so this almond this this the staff bringing forth almonds is once again reminding them of the covenant of their destination. They stood, Aaron stood there with a revelation of the Messiah. And that revelation brought forth life, untimely life. It brought forth something that was absolutely supernatural life. Let us consider that in our day, when we stand in the midst of the plague, which is called life, and we stand with a revelation of not what the talking head said the night before. We stand not with a <clears throat> the revelation of what the talk shows said yesterday. But we stand in the midst of the plague with a revelation of the Messiah. Expect that there is going to be, it is going to become a time in which the Almighty will will step in and say, you stood for me. Now let me show you what happens when I stand with you and for you. The rest of the, the Torah portion is about the involvement of the people, the contributions. And I just want to, uh, once again, take a, a few moments. I've got about a minute here or less. And thank those of you who have, again, been faithful. Uh, I'm not a Levite. I, I, we could you know, go into all those kind of things. I'm not going to. But uh, the, the things that we're doing today... Uh, there, there's fruit. There's fruit being brought forth. But uh, once again, I can't do this myself. This is a joint effort. And for those of you who, as it was at the time of the book of Bamidbar numbers, uh, gave contributions so the Levites could do their work, I want to say thank you to those who give to this ministry, which allows me to go and do the work And in the end, 
we all receive the reward for that together. In fact, I'd just assume you'd be in the front of the line in the day that those are given out. Shabbat Shalom, Shavua Tov. Have a blessed, prosperous week. Bezrat Hashem, God willing, see you again next week. Remember, be praying for us for Revive. Would really appreciate that. Until then, be strong.